Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, you know, last week was, um, it's fun. I think these are some of my favorite podcasts to do is when we, you know, highlight the wonderful people that we have working for the department. And, you know, last week we talked to uh, Agent Bazzi, who um, won the Candace Dunn Parole Probation Agent of the Year in 2020. And unfortunately, as we talked about last week, um, you know, due to the pandemic and, you know, all of the restrictions on social distancing and having crowds, we unfortunately had to cancel um, the Employee Appreciation Banquet last year in May. And, uh, you know, Agent Bazzi didn't get a chance to walk on stage get an award, say a few words, uh, but he did last week in the podcast. And, and, and this week is no different. Um, we have, you know, the corrections officer of the year on today. And, you know, I'm excited to allow him to, um, you know, kind of accept the recognition that he deserves and, um, and kind of talk to the staff out there and get a chance to say things that he didn't get to say in May. So um, I, I love these podcasts, Chris. I, I don't, I don't know. I, it, they're fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, it's really important to highlight our staff, especially when we have somebody uh, as great as Officer Sims, um, who's who's done a lot over the years. is a great volunteer, is a great representative of of the MDOC, uh, and really uh, just highlights you know what it really means to be a corrections officer. So I'm really excited for everyone to hear him, even though we didn't get unfortunately get to hear him uh, back in May, like you said, because of the pandemic. So I'm excited to to do that. You know, obviously, Greg, this is our last podcast of the year. Um, so we will see everyone in 2021 and we have some exciting stuff ahead in store already. We've been kind of plotting and planning about what the, the podcast is going to look like in 2021. We've got some exciting uh, topics uh, to come up that we're really looking forward to sharing with everyone. And again, as well as highlighting more uh, of our staff and doing more of that in 2021. Yeah. So I'm really excited to, uh, to, to get to do that. And uh, we're also going to be recapping the year that was uh, 2020 uh in in the next couple of weeks so you can, we can kind of reflect on everything because it wasn't all just COVID, as, as you know there was a lot of other stuff going on so we want to make sure that not, a lot that of good stuff happened. right a lot of yeah, good because stuff. we had a lot we had a lot of staff who were working really hard on a lot of projects a lot of a lot of really interesting things that in in, in a normal year uh people would have really been focused on we would have had more time to really you know dive deep into on the podcast or, or to just be aware of and so we want to make sure that those things don't get forgotten and all the hard work that was put into those um, isn't lost either. Yeah. And, and, you know, Chris, you know, I mean, we brought the podcast back probably a couple months ago now at this point, I guess. And, you know, everybody's super busy working and, um, you know, some are, some are at facilities and in offices and some are um, detailed to their homes and working remotely. Uh, you know, so I know, you know, trying to get the podcast back up and running during, you know, just a lot of difference in the way that we do our do our jobs. You know, it can be can be tough to get a chance to listen to the podcast. So, you know, we we understand, but it, you know, if you can, if you do enjoy the podcast or in in like listening to it and like to get information this way, make sure that you remind your coworkers that the podcast is back up and it's a great way to to get information because we're going to share a ton of information moving forward. Uh, we always try to. So, you know, you know, remind your coworkers that they can also get a lot of information, current information um, from this podcast and uh, also the the nightly newsletter that you guys put out. So. Um, trying to get as much information out as possible and just continue to, to talk to your coworkers, remind them that we have all these avenues to get information and to make sure they're, they're fully utilizing that. Right, Chris? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things we heard from in the survey from a few years ago that, you know, communication, there needs to be more communication. And so we've really, really focused on that and found a lot of new ways and avenues to provide that communication. So hopefully uh, between the daily email that we're putting out, the monthly newsletter, Nixels, we have virtual town halls that the director is doing at, at every facility. And then we've, we started those. And at the end of the year, we're going to be doing more of those in 2021. Podcasts, social media, uh, there's just a ton of information that goes out, right. as well as even the TV screens in, in the lobbies of facilities. We're trying to do everything we can to make sure that our staff are fully aware of what's going on at all times. Yeah, and listen, let's let's get to Officer Sims. I'm excited to talk to him. Um, you know, remind everybody that in the new year, continue to be safe, continue to wear your masks, and uh, uh, let's let's get to our interview, Chris. Chris, can you believe this? We have two amazing guests. One in particular, I will I will say, is amazing. The other one, it, it's okay. He, he, he's, he's okay. But our, our, our major guest is the Corrections Officer of the Year. And that is James Sims, who is a Corrections Officer at the Cotton Facility in Jackson. And we also have on the Warden of Cotton, and that is Noah Nagy, who is a, I guess like you, you consider him a friend of the pod, right, Chris? I consider him a father of the pod. He's a co-founder. <laughs> father. Yeah, he's Godfather. the amazing guest. He's, he's the pod. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, Officer Sim, we appreciate you saying that, but you, my friend, are the highlight of this podcast, and I can't wait to get to talk to you because, you know, this year was a little different. You know, as people will see, we're doing our podcast now, Chris, on um, Microsoft Teams, right? Usually these are done in your office. You know, we have a setup there. And what else is different is we didn't have an employee appreciation banquet this year, which is an amazing event. Everybody who's went to um, the, event, the event or been nominated knows it's a show. It, it's, it's great. And people should be recognized for the awesome work. But we didn't have one past year because of the pandemic and people weren't able to be recognized. So hopefully we can do Officer Sims justice and really promote the great things that he did to be nominated. Without further ado, I, I want to introduce Officer James Sims and say congratulations to you. And before we get started here, talk about you for a second. Thanks. I started at SMI, State Prison of Southern Michigan, before right before they separated into JMF and SMI. I started in 97. Since then, I've worked at Florence Crane, the women's facility. When it was a women's facility, then we became a male's facility, and then we closed, and I came to Cotton. So, Noah... Talk about you for a second. What's what's you know what's your story? Well, <laughs> I'm here obviously today in support of you know Officer Sims. You know we are, we are very grateful for the work that Officer Sims and all of our staff do here at Cotton. And you know, like you mentioned, Greg, we had we didn't have an opportunity to truly celebrate James this year with the employee appreciation banquet, which you know been a great event, a great evening, and it always is. And it's you know an opportunity for for us to celebrate all the officers, officer of the year. Uh, but at Cotton, we're extremely proud of, of James and all the work he does, not only at the facility, but his involvement in the community. He's been heavily involved in uh, the state employees charitable campaign over the years here at Cotton. And it's, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's uh, somebody that, uh, you know, all of us look up to for the work he does on a daily basis, but also his involvement in the community and making, making all of us better. And, you know, considering everything that, all of us in the department and in, in, in the country and in the world with the pandemic have been through, you know, to have someone like Officer Sims and, and all of our staff that have truly stepped up during this pandemic and and fought through the very difficult times. And, and as most know, we went through some tough times here at Cotton. I'm glad that you guys are taking taking today to honor James and, and make, you know, share his story and, and his uh, success with the rest of the department. Very well said. And you 
Chris, you can tell that Noah is a, um, a seasoned pro with this podcasting thing because he just <laughs> took took he just answered my first question I was going to ask. Uh, you're 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 a pro, Noah. So thank you very much. So James, let's let's talk about you some more. Like Noah said, you you know you have a background. Um, you're a veteran, and you and you do tons and tons of stuff, which we're going to get into, get into in a second. But talk about what made you want to become a CEO in the first place. Was it your military background? Yes. I got off of active duty in 94 and I was looking for a good job and I applied to state police and applied to corrections and corrections hired me. And so here I am. It wasn't the end of it. You stayed on with the guard and you you were deployed uh, several times uh, since you've been an officer, correct? Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the places you've been? After 94, I I joined the Michigan Army National Guard and stayed there until 2010 when I retired as a sergeant. I uh, was an administrative postal clerk. And um, basically, anyone that's seen MASH, I was Radar O'Reilly. But I was deployed to Atlanta for the Olympic Games in 96 was deployed to Italy for two weeks to do a um, training exercise with American and Italian forces. Also, I uh, right after 9-11, I was activated to do airport duty for several months. Hurricane Katrina in 2005, I was activated for that. And I worked with our deputy warden at Crane at the time, Paul Klee, who went on to be warden. And because Fort Custer, where I was stationed at, we needed um, picnic tables, you know, for the displaced citizens from Katrina. And I worked with Paul and the um, work crews and the local businesses who donated the wood. And we got, I think they made uh, 150 tables and we took them all out to um, Fort Custer and they're still there and still in good shape. So that was a lot of a lot of work you know, behind the scenes and that. You've also been on active duty, correct? Yes, I was four years on active duty. I'm a Desert Storm and Somalia veteran. I spent more time off of Fort Bragg than I did on Fort Bragg in the three years I was stationed there because I also spent a year in Korea before that. We were the most deployed unit in CONUS as a postal unit. We were the only active duty postal unit. So anytime any troops from the United States moved overseas, someone from our company went with them. You know, obviously your work with the National Guard is something that obviously it's it's a job that you sign up for. You, you certainly didn't have to do that. And so obviously you felt a, a sense of duty to want to do that. And you got to do some amazing, had some amazing experiences all around the world uh, signing up and doing that. But, you know, obviously being a corrections officer and working in corrections can be hard and it can be, you know, be very taxing. And, and, and some people might just want to go home at the end of the day and just uh, and just relax and decompress. But you uh, have really taken it upon yourself to do a lot of volunteer work, a lot of community work on top of, you know, the already, you know, difficult job that you do every day. Why is that important to you? And, and how do you find time uh, to balance all that? And, and, and I guess what do you see is the importance of doing, all, doing that? Because you do so much. I kind of take that from my work with the Special Olympics and the Law Enforcement Torch Run and the fact that their basis for the Law Enforcement Torch Run is everybody has, usually when they have contact with law enforcement, criminal justice professionals, it's usually in a negative manner. And so I'm just trying to portray and go the extra mile to give back to the community and show them that there is positive involved as well. We're all still human beings. We all still have needs. And we just want to make sure that that all gets taken care of. You've hit on a, a couple things. Chris talked about you do so much outside of your job, Special Olympics and the law enforcement torture run. That's super important to you. But I mean, there's a laundry list of, of, of things here, James, that you do. Like you shop with a hero. 
SECC, which is a state employees um, charitable contributions, and yep. you, you do harvest gatherings, and yes. um, I, the list goes on and on. And I know Chris talked about you know how you have time for all this, but I know something that's really near and dear to your heart and super important to you is you also are involved. You have attended the LGBT Criminal Justice Professionals conferences, and that and that's a a very important thing to you, right? Yes. Back in, I want to say 2004, Cole Bauk, who used to be the administrative assistant in Lansing, connected me with what's called legal. That's the uh, law enforcement gays and lesbians. And that's the national group. And then we ended up starting in 2010, we started my goal, which is Michigan Gay Officers Action League. The legal is the national umbrella and the goals all fall underneath legal. In 2010, I had the privilege of attending the international conference in Chicago and presenting PRIA for all the other states that weren't up to speed. We were up to speed per se, and Director Caruso at the time was like, yes, that's a good idea. So I got to relay to, I believe they said all 50 states were in attendance then, the criminal justice professionals, the, the lesbians and the gay criminal justice professionals, because we want to make sure we do our job just as well as everyone else. And we still want to make sure that everyone, regardless of sexual orientation, is included and involved. We're more than just our sexual orientation, I guess you would say. And and how have you seen that uh, change over the years in terms of acceptance, both in society and in, in the department? Well, when I transferred to Cotton Facility, it was after I'd attended one of the conferences and I asked to wear my uniform to the local Lansing Pride March and I was denied. So between the lines, which is a gay newspaper, they did a story on it and we applied pressure, I guess you would say, to the department heads and they conceded and allowed me to go to the Pride March in Grand Rapids that year instead of the Lansing one in uniform. And then every year after that, when we've had one and I've participated, I've asked and it's been granted. I've seen in the past eight years or so where the department really has stepped up its game on the inclusion part and uh, celebrating the diversity and recognizing that we're all a team. We all come together to do one job to protect the public. And it doesn't matter what our orientation, race, creed, whatever it is, we're all in this together. Very well said. And I agree with you. You, you know, so, you know, we talked about the opportunity to attend the, um, the employee appreciation banquet, and it's very unfortunate. So every parole probation agent of the year, corrections officer of the year, the director's award winner, they all get, have time to to get on stage and to, to give a speech and to, and to thank people, thank their families, talk about what's important to them, what went into winning the, the award. So I know we've talked quite a bit about you, and but I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to, to, to tell people or, or to give the speech that you would have given at the banquet. <laughs> well, right, right, right on the spot, James, right on the spot. I know, because um, I had talked to uh, Warden Nagy and, and Deputy Rurka about helping me make that speech because I'm not good at at giving speeches. I prefer to do the volunteer work and be behind the scenes, making sure everything happens. But one of the things I was going to point out in my my speech was the people that I looked up to and that were my mentors coming up through the time frame. And that would be 
Terry Huffman. She was a rum. I worked directly for her. She encouraged me to do a lot of different things. And as a matter of fact, she got me involved with the uh, Lions Club, and I'm the Jackson area president of the Jackson Lions Diabetes Service Club. And she also got me involved in, in several other places. But um, there's also a couple other people. Our union, Brian Osborne's doing an outstanding job keeping us uh, uh, informed, and, and a few coworkers that I know go above and beyond. Kerry Johnson, Steve Hammond, um, Steve Mary, Jennifer Crane, Mike Davis, all these guys and gals, they have tons of experience. And Brent Rorick, he was um, my union president, and then he was my union vice president when I was president. And then he was the ARUS that kind of trained me to do ARUS work when we were still at Coldwater. And then he came here as RUM. And he does an outstanding job. And so does Vicki McCabe. She's another one that I go to and get a lot of advice. And, and, you know, and Director Caruso was a very big mentor of mine. We as Michigan Goal even gave her our first ally award from Michigan Goal back in 2010 at the Chicago conference because she was someone to look up to. Just as I'm finding, I mean, I've only really worked with Warden Nagy now for a year and a half, maybe two. Is it two years now, boss? Uh, just about, just under, or just over a year, yeah. Yeah, so he's another person that I'm finding is a great mentor and someone I can go to if I'm confused or upset or not necessarily doing something by policy because he's a level head. And regardless, he doesn't let them see him sweat. And regardless if I'm upset or doesn't don't understand it, you can read it on my face. And you can't with Warden Nagy. And you couldn't with Director Caruso. And you can't with Brent Rorick. And you can't with Vicki McCabe. Having mentors and people that, that, that help, help push you um, to be better in your career are important. That's, that's great that you, you know, take a second just to recognize them. That's, I, think, I think it's very nice of you to do, number one. Um, but two, I think it's important for them to hear that. Awesome. Well, well done, Mr. Sims. That was very well done. Chris, I don't know what you have left, but I, I have thousands of more questions for him, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I could do this all day. I don't know if you have anything left, Chris, but I, I, I have at least one more if, unless you want to keep going. Well, I guess the, the one thing I wanted, I didn't want to pass by without a chance. You know, obviously now that we're back doing these podcasts and we, you know, we want to hear, you know, directly from those in the field and we want, you know, people, our staff, as well as, you know, the, the wider audience that, that listens to these uh, to hear directly from an officer about, you know, what it's been like these last seven, eight months working in a prison in the middle of a pandemic? And, and have you been able to find opportunities to help and volunteer even uh, in that scenario? Yes. Right when we started testing staff and prisoners, I was asked to help set everything up and I did so. And then I was asked to go to um, Ingham County Probation and Parole. And I jumped at the chance and uh, went there. And the camaraderie and the focus on each other is something that I take away from all that. The pandemic really, to me, has drawn all the staff together. You know, the prisoners have a lot of questions and the warden puts out a lot of information daily, even from home. I've sent him the email back while I was on overtime on Saturday, like, why aren't you relaxing? Why are you sending out all these messages? Take a break, boss. Take a break. That's the whole key thing, I think, for us now and before is 
information and getting the information back and forth. It helps calm the fears and it helps keep things going in a, a calm, steady pace. Well, Warden Nagy, do you want to jump in there? I mean, I'm wondering, you know, obviously for you trying to lead a facility in the middle of a pandemic, the likes of which you know, we have not faced in our lifetimes before, what's it been like for you? How, uh, does it help put your mind at ease a little bit that you have literally have the officer of the year that you can rely on in, in one area of your facility? That's got to that's gotta be a helpful mindset. There's no question, Chris. Uh, you know, since day one, you know, staff as as a whole have truly stepped up you know, as, as everybody knows, we were going to a situation where none of us have experienced it. A uh, lot of unknown uh, questions that, uh, you know, we weren't sure about at the beginning. Fortunately for us, uh, you know, it's something now that we've been living through for months uh, and are pretty experienced, uh, as are a lot of facilities, in handling this. And, you know, one of the important things that I think all of us here at, at Cotton have, have realized is is we all have to work together and understand exactly what our process is and uh, to make sure that we're, uh, we're staying ahead of the game and making sure that folks that need to be quarantined or isolated are properly. And whether it's 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, every staff member that's here understands the process and has truly stepped up, like, like James said, uh, you know, staff, you know, the amount of teamwork and, uh, you know, as, as a warden of a facility, I uh, couldn't be more proud of everyone in the work and commitment to this process. It's, it's not, you know, you fear sometimes when you've been through it so much that there's a level of complacency that can settle in. But we haven't done that here. And, uh, you know, staff have truly embraced what needs to be done and, and uh, from from our custody staff to our non-custody staff we had teachers working in the chow hall we've had you know, you know non-custody staff you know doing things that you know they wouldn't normally do we've had you know our, our custody staff have been pulled in a lot of different directions we've been fortunate enough also to have some uh, excellent help from from corrections transportation officers from aru staff uh, from staff from other facilities that have really stepped up and helped us during this very difficult time. So it's been, a, you know, from a from a, a leadership standpoint, it's been one that, while it's certainly been difficult and one that you can't let, let your guard down, it's also been a time of uh, for me to have a sense of pride in the teamwork and commitment to the work that had to be done. There was there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was work that had to be done, and, and everyone stepped up and, and did a great job. And while we all certainly know we're not out of it, you know, we certainly understand where our roles are, and that's it's one that we have to continue to move forward with. Couldn't have been said any better. These are, we've said it a hundred times, these are unprecedented times, and it's very scary still. But what's wonderful is that we get to have staff like you two, and specifically Corrections Officer of the Year, James Sims, because it's, you know, it's, it's staff like, like him that get us through times like these. And, um, you know, and they, and they are very, very tough times, and it's very um, stressful and hard and different. So, you know, the work, that, the work that you do on a daily basis matters, and I, I think the conversation today speaks to why uh, James was nominated and, and, and won the Corrections Officer of the Year. I, th I think everybody can get a glimpse of, of, of who he is, what he stands for, just the kind of person and employee that, that he is and, and shows exactly why he won this very, very, very cool award and, and to be named up Corrections Officer of the Year. So thank you both for what you do every single day. And, you know, thanks for taking time um, out of your busy days. We know you guys are extremely busy. Just to talk to everybody about 
um, what you do. And, and, and I, can't, I can't thank you enough. So thanks, guys, uh, for coming on and talking about it today. Thank, thank you. you. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.